everybody. It is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Happy New Year, everyone, to all of one listening. And welcome to episode 153 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell, joined as always by Riley McConnell. And we are live right now on Twitter. And the plan is we're going to be live on more places and more sources in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to that. Today on our show, Oh, we've got a good one coming. Ross Atkins met with the media and gave us a lot of insight on what the Toronto Blue Jays' plans are for the rest of the offseason and the season to come. So we're going to discuss that. Plus, we're going to give our thoughts on some players who think might take a big step forward next year or maybe might take a step back this year. But first, Riley, what's up, my guy? How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year's to you too, Jesse, all our viewers and listeners, everything like that. 2024 seems like a fictional year. Um, officially our fir- first episode in, um, Jesse, uh, not uh, again, not a lot going on in the world of the blue Jays. Mm-hmm. We're just crawling through. We kind of expected this. And, uh, I think to be quite honest with you, we're going to be like this for the next little while. It's not fun. We know if you've been follow if you follow us on Twitter, uh, Jesse does a great job at posting kind of the war leader for that day. So today, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the my favorite Blue Jays of all time, Frank Kedlow. I think it was 80, 84 days before spring training, I think is what Sounds it was. Sounds about right, yep. Sounds about right, whatever it was. But a uh, cool little feature there if you're not following us on uh, on Twitter. Jesse does a great little write-up on these guys. And we're into the – I mean, we had Troy Gloss yesterday, Kedlow today. Like guys that, guys that you loved when they were with the Toronto Blue Jays and um, – well, they're not there anymore. And uh, the guys that we do have right now, mm-hmm. it's kind of in my head. It's like, is, we talked about it last week, man. It's like, is it enough? And I keep reflecting on that question. And it just, I, I can't convince myself that we are at enough right now. Like we need, we need a lot more to, you know, favorable transactions to go our way for us to, you know, make a push for this, this really tough division. The teams around us are getting better um, you mm-hmm. could argue maybe Tampa's taking a step back, but I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're trying, man. I mean, they're making great pushes to, you know, become 95 win clubs. And uh, the way we're looking right now, we're lucky to, to get 90 wins right now. Yeah, there's still more work to do in the offseason. In fact, Ross Atkins did just mention that in his last press conference, Riley. And I want to start the episode here by giving one quote that Ross Atkins gave. And that was, he said, look, we're still looking at free agents and trades. And if we make more further ads, it's more likely closer that we're going to make one ad than multiple ads, Riley. So are the Blue Jays just going to add one more piece and then call it quits for the offseason? That doesn't sound right. The Blue Jays have more hills to fill there. So do you believe him when he says this? Or do you think this is just like a ruse that he's trying to build up leverage in free agent talks? I mean, geez, if we add one guy, I hope he's an eight and a half, nine more player. Right. Really, and th- those guys just aren't available. <laughs> those guys just, they just don't grow on trees, Jesse. I mean, yeah. um, I think, I think that um, if he, if this is the case, then it has been a very much a letdown. The, if, if we acquire one player, and I'm not saying a Jock Peterson or a Jorge Slayer won't be impactful to this ball club, but if it's on kind of one of those guys and really nothing else and we get a, get a relief pitcher that's going to bounce between AAA and the majors. Mm-hmm. Like then, the, then since the inaugural pod, since the buds and blue Jays inception, uh, this, this is the, this is the worst off season. And by far, Oh yeah. if, if oh, that's yeah. what we're, if that's what we're looking at, man, and no disrespect to the available free agents, like uh, Duvall still a guy who can hit home runs. And the two other guys said like, there's still good players available. 
But I don't think one guy is going to be a game changer for this Blue Jays lineup. Again, it falls back on our guys in our lineup already and Mm -hmm. what they have in the tank for 2024. And the way it's looking right now, there's nothing for me to believe that, you know, you hope Vladdy has a bounce back. You hope Varsho picks it up. Like, I'm sure their numbers will increase for sure. But honestly, man, it's it's still really not good enough. We still need a couple more pieces uh, from the offensive side uh, for us to really, really be a competitive ball club in the American League. And Ross Atkins has to know this too, right? Like he can't just going like going about being like, you know what? I think our team's a true talent 82 win team, but I'm proud of my 82 win team. That's good enough. Like, no, we've talked about it several times. Blue Jays have two more years basically with all their, their main core under team control. This is the time to go in and this is the time to win. Trying to play small ball or even get under the luxury tax, which I think is something the Blue Jays are actually looking to do, which sounds crazy after all the Shohei Otani rumors and the Juan Soto rumors that happened earlier this offseason. That gives the Blue Jays about $18 million or so to spend. And look, um, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet has mentioned Jock Peterson. You mentioned Jock Peterson already this episode. Jorge Soler, all that would be a fit. But if you decided already that you're going to try to stay under the luxury tax, then spending $18 million on Kevin Kiermeyer and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to add to your squad is incredibly stupid. I do not see the point of trying to go out that. Um, look, maybe he's just trying to wait to get leverage down for trades or free agents. We saw the Matt Chapman trade didn't come till March, for example. The Blue Jays have shown they are willing to wait even into spring training to make a big offseason move if they have to. But clock is ticking, and you don't want to be left out in the cold and the, free, the move decided to go somewhere else, kind of like when Juan Soto left for the Yankees before the Blue Jays actually were done with Otani, and you just don't want to be stuck behind and have to overpay. Uh, Jesse, I mean, yes, we got Matt Chapman towards, you know, spring training or even a little bit into spring training. I don't know which one. Um, yeah, the two the two ads already, bringing Kiermaier back and IKF. Like, mm-hmm. but they're not what this – I'm not going to spiel. That was last episode. Go check out or listen to the, the podcast before if you didn't hear it. Yep. Like, Kiermaier and Isaiah Kainafalefa are not two guys – like, great defensively, but what our team needs is offense, and those two guys aren't going to – aren't going to do it at all. Uh, yeah, like exactly. The names that used to Peterson's, the Solaire's the do like those guys is what, uh, is what this ball club needs. And what the hell are we, if we're going to get them, get them, get them now or whatever. Like we're not going to be $300 million. Like those players aren't going to be, we're not paying them $30 million. Like I don't know what, what we're waiting for and, or whatever else. Um, if, if there's only one guy we can add, so be it. If we're waiting to see what the market is, where some guys land and see if there's some trades that could be made, I'm all for that. In fact, I would almost encourage it. Um, mm-hmm. Moving some players, um, making room on our 40-man roster even, uh, maybe like a two-for-one or something, freeing up a spot, taking out, you know, I'm not, you know, I did, not that I want to see Biggio or Espinal or David Stein or any of that, those guys go. But we have a surplus to those guys. One guy should be worth something to a club. And, like, there's a lot of different moves you could do, Jesse. And I would like to see it sooner rather than later, especially for an impact piece. Because I I, I don't know if we're going to get the same thing, you know, the third the you know the third day of march like compared to the third day of february like why why would we wait this is something we should be addressing now 
Yeah, the Marlins are looking for a shortstop. I'm calling them and taking – I'll take your worst reliever for Santiago Espinal, thank you very much, or even a guy who's a, a former top prospect. Maybe what Jordan Groshans or something. Maybe get him back in our Buffalo system, or who knows what they could do. Um, but you mentioned some of the quotes that Ross Atkins gave, and I wanted to I, – I know you haven't seen the full press conference, Riley, so I wanted to actually lay out something here, and I want you to tell me, true or false, if this is an actual quote that Ross Atkins said, because we've joked on Blue Jays social media here that Ross Atkins is kind of a robot. He just says his generic corporate bullshit that people say all the time. And uh, I thought we could have some fun with this. So I came up with a few generic things. And I want to see if I can get you on whether or not this is an actual quote that Ross Atkins said, or if this is made up. You ready to play? I I hate corporate freaking <laughs> responses. It, they're so, so cheesy, chintzy things. I could care at the end of the day, I could care less about these types of people. Sadly, he's the guy that's in charge of basically <laughs> rostering our Toronto Blue Jays. So yes. I kind of have to care. Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what's coming. I can kind of probably guess like what they're related to. So let's let's hear him, Jesse. Yeah, these aren't as good as like what Scott Boris does with his fish puns at the winter meetings. But I, I think they're well on the line here. So we're going to go ahead with the first one, Riley. Did Ross Atkins say this? Quote, the things I think our team is missing aren't people. The things that we're missing are our ability to support and help the players, which we feel like we've worked to offset and put ourselves in a much better position. True or false, Riley? Was that a quote Ross Atkins said at this press conference? Holy cow. That's a that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say yes, but I don't even think that's, a, that's an issue on our team. I think that perhaps he did say this, but I don't think he's – I think there's bigger problems that should be addressed. You're, you're absolutely right, Riley. This was a quote Ross Atkins did say. His argument he was trying to make is basically, we believe in the talent level of this team. We believe we're a good enough team, even though a lot of us on the outside do not think so. And he is just trying to get the best out of his players to try to make them reach their 70th or 80th percentile outcome, which is a great dream in theory. But shouldn't you also do this, but then also get better players? You know, that's kind of kind of my thought process. And you can have the best coaching staff in the world, but if a player still gets hurt and misses two months, then so be it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. All right. My next quote here, Riley. Building a winning team is like putting together a puzzle. Each player is a piece that fits perfectly into a bigger picture. Did Ross Atkins say that? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no, he didn't say that. That's, 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 that's such a cheesy, that's such a cheesy thing. How'd I do, Jesse? You did get on that one. And if don't general managers just always speak in cliches, right? Oh, that is so be better than the opponent. Puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> building blocks like basically like yeah you could make you could make a ton of cliches about formulating a a, a baseball team i just figured it was it was almost too cliche um even for ross atkins so anyhow <laughs> all right well you're well on your way you're two for two riley let's go on to the next one he says our last four years was an outlier or sorry our, our offense has been really good over the last four years, and we're optimistic that our season, offensive season we had last year was just a blip. We're focused on getting improving and getting back um, on process. The league has adjusted to us. Now we need to adjust back. True or false, Riley? Was that a quote Ross Atkins said at this press conference? That, it, uh, that is a great quote. I'm going to say yes, he did say that uh, mm -hmm. because that is the correct thing to say. That is the correct thing to say, and we hope that the – I don't know about adjusting to what, but let's hope – that that is a bit of an op, op, an outlier, a blip, if you will, like whatever it is. Yeah, got to be a got to be a, a real quote. 
it is a true quote from Ross Atkins, and there might be some merit to that too. Look, Blue Jays were still very good at getting guys on base last season. They were pretty much on par with how they've been the last few seasons. It just became an issue of driving runs in. You can bet on positive aggression. That will change next year. Um, and I think that's what Ross Atkins was kind of getting at in this quote here. Riley, the next one, the next quote. Sometimes a team's potential is like a sleeping giant. It's up to them to wake up and unleash their true power on the field. So this would be like a call out of his team a little bit. Is this something that Ross Atkins said during his press conference? True or false? I I would say no. Sleeping giant sounds a bit weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah? False? No, it's false. You're correct. You're on fire. You're a nice solid four for four here on this uh, this game here. And I guess I've got... um, Two more quotes to get through. This next one, Riley. During the offseason, teams embark on a journey of reinvention, reshaping the roster, and chasing the dream of championship glory. We felt like we've done that with the moves we made so far this offseason. Is that oh. a true or false quote? False. Uh, like and I, That can't be a correct quote because we haven't n- made near enough moves yet. That's got to be false. Yeah, it is false. You're right. Okay. But uh, that scares me when I hear that the first time, because if you think oh. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was the missing piece to bring World Series to Toronto, boy, I want some of what he's having. It makes him that delusional because that would be uh, that would be very good. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. That one's just kind of out there like he would that would he would have been burned at the stake for saying that. that that's, he, there's not been enough done to to say something that confident. All right, Riley. And the last quote, this was in reference to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa exactly and what his role would be on the team. He said, quote, there is a pathway for him to get a lot of third base at bats the way this roster is currently constructed. So Riley, true or false? Is that a quote Ross Atkins said? I'm going six for six because that's true. That's got to be true because the way it looks right now, that's definitely he's going to see some at bats on third base. Bravo, Riley. The crowd is cheering for you. You are a perfect six for six. You know how to snuff out Ross Atkins bullshit when it does come along here. So a very good job by you. But let's talk about that last quote for a second here. If it is indeed true, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is going to get a lot of the third base at bats here. Look, he's not a Matt Chapman level defender, but nobody is, right? He's still very good. He's going to be good. We talked a lot, especially early in this offseason, Riley, how we kind of wanted to see the Blue Jays get a stopgap third baseman, some guy who could probably play in the first half until Orelvis Martinez, Addison Barger, or Domino Palmagani are ready to take over and get a role on this team. I suggested Evan Longoria. You brought up a few names as well. I guess the Blue Jays are doing that, but they're choosing defense over offense with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and and, uh, do you think that's a good move? No, I. I, I, I <laughs> Jesse, I. It's a, and again, like if this was a, if we were if there was no Bobachet in the league or whatever, and we're addressing the position of shortstop, I'm an old school guy. Like your third baseman has to possess some sort of power. Like, yeah. And you're, I, I like a team where if I'm to choose a franchise player, like as a hitter, like I don't want an, I don't want a first baseman necessarily i want a third baseman who's eventually going to get big and sluggish and move to first base like i like third base is you know one of the most should be one of the most valued positions on any ball club i like your corners to have power and I, I, for isaiah kind of isaiah kind of uh to have basically a positive war uh this season like he's gonna have to play matt chapman defense um because mm-hmm. he's going up like there's some good like hey there's some there's some decent third baseman in the league. Actually, I would argue that over the past ten years, maybe that position has gone 
still a little a bit with you know regression from say a guy like Nolan Arenado, but I mean there's still a lot of power in the position. And Isaiah, he, I mean he has eight home runs. I think is his most in a season. I could be even wrong on that. I think he has. Yeah, like and 20. even if yeah, the Blue Jays need more than that, even if it is eight. And you know? and it's not even like this guy is like a, a religious two nineties hitter. Like he doesn't hold that high of a batting average. Terrible OPS plus, really, uh, for the amount mm-hmm. of at bats he gets. Like he's he's basically to make him a very valuable player, he's gonna have to play Matt Chapman defense. Which whether he has it in him, I think it's irrelevant because the piece we're missing anyways is the bat, and that it just that's the kind of how it goes. Like it'd be different if we had if he could basically hit for power off one uh, like uh, against lefty pitching, and Biggio was a guy who can play the same elite defense and mash righties and platoon those two guys like that. But basically they're just below league average as far as their hitting stats go and guys who aren't going to get on base a ton and guys who aren't going to hit a ton of home runs. So, I mean, Hey, it's a position we're still lacking in. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think this is probably what we're going to be looking at for the season unless things drastically change. Yeah, the good news is the Buffalo Bisons have a ton of guys. So if one of them comes out of spring training and is amazing, then they could give him the spot in in, um, in spring and have him play opening day for third base. We will wait and see on that. Riley, 48 third baseman last year, had 500 plate appearances. And Isaiah Kainer-Falefa's OPS was 47th. He had a 643. The only third baseman worse than him was Nick Madrigal. Now... You- <sighs> The, who's a, Chris, who's a Nick yeah. Madrigal's like a middle infield guy anyways. Like that's, exactly. that's great. That's exactly. crazy to me. Yeah. Um, I think what the Blue Jays might be looking to do here is maybe do like a platoon with Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio is very good at hitting like the sinker slash slider type. And Isaiah kind of Falefa for what it's worth does hit the four seam fastball well. So maybe against, and that's something the Blue Jays struggled with last year too, was hitting the four seam fastball. So maybe this is something the Blue Jays are looking at against a fastball dominant guy. They put Isaiah kind of Falefa in there and then more against the junk ball pitchers. They throw Biggio. I don't know, but I think there's more room to be done here. Any last thoughts on that, Riley, before we move on and put it to bed? No, like essentially like Jesse, I was fine with having the log jam, as you say, at second base and having options there, but now we have it in two different positions. That's not what winning ball clubs are made out of. Like you can say like, Oh, we do it by committee. We have, you know, different guys chime in, but you look at the best teams in history. Like they have guys play 150 games plus uh, you mm-hmm. know, at basically eight positions on the on the on the ball diamond. So, I mean, we're not we're not there. We're not there because we don't. We have seven everyday players. You could argue we have six everyday players, um, but we're not we're not there yet. We're not at the level that teams in our division are are um, are at. We're not at the level that teams that will be facing you know in potential wild card series are at. Right, and if Boba Shett has to go on the IL for two months, then all of a sudden Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is your full-time shortstop, and now Santiago Espinal is getting every day at bat somewhere on this team, and that is not a recipe for success either. Riley, you talked earlier about how you had a good power-hitting third baseman that had to move for, for, to first base. Well, the Blue Jays had one of those on their roster going up, and you might have heard of him before. It is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and we talked lots throughout the course of last year and even throughout the course of the offseason about what we can do to try to fix Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because we know, Ross Atkins has talked about this, if the Blue Jays are going to reach their true ceiling, it is going to come down to getting MVP level Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And there was a post on a Reddit thread um, 
about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, take the sources on this are a little off because I don't know how true they are, but I'm going to put it up to you here and I'm going to show it to you here right now. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this and I will read it out loud. It said, Vladdy is currently this offseason working with the Blue Jay staff in Florida to correct a mechanical issue they identified back in May that he refused to work with their staff during the season. The team had a lot of belief he'll rebound from the 2023, but they were done with his stubbornness. They are hoping that now he's a bit older, he'll have fewer brain farts on the bases, and that Don Mattingly and Vlad have a good relationship, and Mattingly was the one who originally identified the issue with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s swing back in May. Riley, I've been known to be a little bit stubborn myself, so I can understand that. And just think, if you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr., your dad is a Hall of Fame hitter. You've got his voice in your head. He helped you get you where you are today. He's probably got a ton of voices in his head telling him what's gone wrong, what are you doing, what's not going right. And if you're not listening to your own coaches, that seems like a problem to me, Riley. So what's your initial reaction when hearing this about how he could have struggled last season? I have so much to pick apart from this, Jesse. Okay, do it. You said it it right there. Vladimir Guerrero Sr. is a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Correct. But no one is the likes of their father, whatever. Like, like it's hard to follow in those shoes. But everything was laid out for Vladdy. He came up to the big leagues as basically the only 80-grade hitter Ever, whatever, literally his, the first one, the first 80 grade, whatever his, whatever his, whatever his projections, whatever his potential markings were. So he already has that along with the father. It's in the hall of fame. You're in Toronto. People are buying your jerseys. People love you. And they don't even, they haven't even seen you play really. So Correct. you're a, you're a big deal from the get go. Like this mm-hmm. guy has not been given the silver spoon because there had been a time that he worked hard. Then he got out of shape and he's fixed himself. So he's, there's a little bit of redemption in there already, but there's stubbornness goes the word with it. And I think Bo has gotten better at this. It's immaturity. Yes. And I feel like Alec Manoa is an immature player. Clearly. Like I feel like Bo Bichette is growing as a ball player. Vladdy needs to do the same. My other with the coaches, like you listen to your coaches. I it's tough as it is. Sometimes like you do have to listen to your coaches. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finished second in MVP voting. Don Mattingly's won an MVP. <laughs> Good he's, point. He's won an American League. Listen to your coaches. They're totally different players, like totally different mm-hmm. types of players. Yes, they played the same position, uh, whatever. Like if you have a coach telling you what to do, that's one thing. Like you have an all-star, he, Mattingly not in the Hall of Fame, like whatever, rightfully so probably. A guy who's won an MVP, a guy who's been around the game, like you gotta put your ego to the side a little bit and just at least try it, man. You're not a 35 year old savvy veteran that's been in the league long enough that you can just not listen and just go about your career. You're a great player still developing. Like you need to take those strides. You need to not only improve your your game, but you're like you're growing up. I mean, Jesse, we're you know you're whatever 30. I'm almost 30. Like. Dude, we're still growing up at our age. We're older than Vlad. Yep. Vlad yeah. is still maturing, still growing uh, basically at every facet of the game and even things not related to the game. Like he needs to kind of put his ego in his pocket and take the advice given to him because it's really going to suck if we're looking if we're looking at Vlad's free agency, whatever. We look back in the last three years, he's got an OPS of like five, 579. <laughs> And 591, Yikes. or sorry, or, sorry, 791 and 7. Okay, yeah, that's not more like five, it. <laughs> not 500, sorry. And like, 
basically south of an 800 OPS. And we're looking at this and saying, wow, like this guy really fell off and why? And you could maybe kind of attribute that to not listening to his coaches. Like when they tried to help him, whatever. I don't know the specifics, but the age he is right now, the place he's in it at his career and the fact that he has taken a step back, he should probably be open to advice and suggestions and work with that and not become a problem. Cause I don't think Vladdy is a problem, but he could be a problem if this kind of thing persists in the blue Jays. Cause I don't, I, I don't want Mattingly going anywhere. In fact, I want him to have he more got a promotion of a, this off season. Yeah, if I want, yeah. I want him, dude, yeah. I want him to be the manager. And I'm not going to say no offense to John Schneider. I'm just going to leave it at, I want Don Mattingly to manage the ball club because he's been around the game. He knows what it takes to win. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. So I think that's because uh, a lot of the stuff that like John Schneider and Ross Atkins have been saying this off season about how we're confident we can get the best out of our players. Maybe Vlad has finally bought in. Maybe he just sat down, had a realization that holy crap, like, I need to be better. What I don't understand is like when it's going through June or July and the team needs to be better and he's out there and he's slumping a little bit. Why didn't he try something then? You know, I just, I don't know. It's the day in day out grind. And I don't know. He's still a young kid. He's got some more maturing to do, but ultimately he's going to be better. The blue Jays are going to be better. If you just listen to your damn coaches, that should be the official piece of advice from buds and blue Jays. If there's anything going on here, your coaches know what they're doing. They're the best coaches in the game and they can make you better. Listen to them. Anyways, that's all I got to say on Vlad, and um, I hope we see an improvement on that going into next year. I'm definitely not going to name drop um, being a, from a small town, but there were coaches. I'm not, I, if I could just say who the coach I did listen to and didn't listen to, Jesse, without naming names, the two skippers that we both had mutually. There was one guy I loved to listen to, one guy I did not yep. li- listen to, but I still listen to them. One sure, guy, of course. Be, I'd run through a brick wall for the one and the other one. I don't even say hi to him on the streets because that's just how it is, man. But you still got to listen to your skipper. Like, do do what you have to do because, it's, because honestly, Vladdy needs to not be better for himself. Like, that's selfish to say. But if he wants to be better for, him, for himself and get the hardware, that's great. But he plays on a team with 25 other guys and he's got to be better for his team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if he's supposed to be the leader on this team then act like it. Honestly, stop being a baby. Let's get up and put up. You've got two years left in a Blue Jays jersey. Let's capitalize on them and let's make them the best. Riley, let's move on to some news and notes that have gone around the Major League Baseball. Last episode, we talked about the Yariel Rodriguez move and how the Blue Jays were considered front runners for the uh, Cuban uh, pitcher. I think that move seems a lot less likely now based on comments that Ross Atkins made from the press conference and especially about only adding room for one more player. I don't know why you would do that on a, like a middle reliever or back end starter type. So I think we can probably put the Yariel Rodriguez rumors to bed here. Um, and then two more notes. Longtime Canadian baseball coach Tim Leeper, who spent some time around with the Toronto Blue Jays, is back in the big leagues behind the bench. He will be the third base coach for the San Diego Padres this year. So thumbs up to you, Tim Leeper. We are happy to see that. And the Blue Jays made an addition to their coaching staff as well. Matt Hegg is up from Buffalo and will be an assistant hitting coach with the Blue Jays this year. And honestly, Riley, I think this is a great move for the Toronto Blue Jays as we're talking a lot about coaching this episode because a lot of Buffalo Bisons players did have career years last year. Olivas Martinez was really good. Pal McGinney was really good. Um, there were others I'm not mentioning here, but the Buffalo Bisons as a team, Spencer Horowitz did hit very well last year. And I think getting that hitting coach up is going to be good, especially for guys like Davis Schneider or guys who have spent a lot of time in Buffalo who are going to be here. I think having another familiar voice is going to be nothing but good news for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
that's kind of and that's the kind of the, the the theme to it is I think the Blue Jays is a very like our organization is a very comfortable organization, a lot of familiar faces, and I think that's kind of important, especially with progression up to the major leagues. Uh, our, our young guys, I, th- I would like to hope, are, are are looked after. And I, you know, as you're saying these things, Jesse, you know, talking about the minor leagues, I'm thinking like we have so many great players, like ready on the side of the minor leagues. Like if we wanted to do this year, we're in Espinal. There's room for Barger, Otto Lopez, mm-hmm. Ralvis Martinez. Like those guys are. You know, out with it, Riley. I know what's in there. This is the problem when we go live. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. we run into little bugs. But yeah, go on, finish your point, Riley. These like guys like Aurelvis Martinez and Otto Lopez, Barger, like they're gonna get at bats on worse teams. Mm-hmm. Like had had we you know sell a couple guys off. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but these guys are right on the cusp of playing major league baseball. And I think because they had a good upbringing through our system. I'd like to think because they were like had a good time in our system. Like they've all had great years and they progressed correctly. Like no mm-hmm. one was rushed, and I think they're almost ready to play major league baseball but there's just not really a spot for them right now. So again, they could lot, you could see another dominating year in AAA power wise for a Ralvers Martinez or something. And I think that's uh, what the Blue Jays are kind of banking on. They're kind of hoping someone from Buffalo comes up and really hits the ground running and has a really good start with this team. Riley, moving on to a little bit of a creative side here. The Blue Jays' slogan has been next level for the last few years, and uh, this Blue Jays team has not taken the team to the next level over the last few seasons, unless you count six straight playoff losses taking things to the next level. Um, I don't think that qualifies. So I think it's time we retire that slogan and we think of something new. Do you have any ideas on what you think the Blue Jays' new slogan should be? So um, next level to me is, you know, the word level. What does that mean? To me, it's more like a video game to go to the next level. Like we say next level and it seems like we're stuck on level four or five, whatever it is, put in your hypothetical level. Like we just need like a cheat code. Like we need to like beat the final boss or something like that. Like we are the final boss. I don't know, but something along those lines, because the whole next level thing we're using up all our lives and now we're restarting the season again. Like, you know, we have Mario with the halo over his head. Sure. Yeah. 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 Now we're starting over again. We keep getting stuck at the same part in the game. Like it's time to pass the controller to big brother, like, you know, and, and let him beat the level or something. It's, it's, you know, something has to change. I don't know. New slogan idea. Like it's, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, the, Buds and Blue Jays marketing team are not, you know, the <laughs> most most creative guys all the time. But I don't know, something to do with the final boss. Like that's because that's what we're at right now. Is we get stuck. Level. Yeah, I'm thinking of something along the lines of uh, think like a champion, work like a champion, or something that puts fear, or something to be tough for the team or whatever. Because uh, next level ain't it. Uh, I thought I could be a little trolly and say Toronto Blue Jays baseball good for the game or whatever, because there was a lot of talk when Shohei Otani signed in LA that it was best for the game that he went there instead of in LA, but all that good stuff. Um, I don't know. Thinking of slogan ideas is not my forte. Maybe that's why my business school background didn't work out. I'm exactly not so sure, but it's uh, it's, it's somebody out there has gold. And if you do tweet it at us, we can try to get it into the right sources to make your slogan the best slogan. 
your business school, whatever. Yeah, I took welding, dude. So like, I got yeah, less. perfect. I got less on that <laughs> than, than you do. I'm not. Um, I'd have to go back to grade ten marketing, uh, which was an actual class I took. But yeah, I'm not not big on the the slogans. I like analogies and hypotheticals. But mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't got much, man. We need. Um, the, I don't think the slogan matters. But next level, we need. It doesn't. To actually, You're right. We need to at least beat the next level. Like I'm talking about final boss and we can't even beat the next level. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, we are now into the new year. It is 2024 as mentioned uh, pitchers and catchers report in about six more weeks. So we are getting closer. I think it's time now, Riley, we look ahead to the roster. We turn the page, if you will, onto what we think next season is going to look like. And I've come up with a few players and I know you have as well that we think are some Toronto Blue Jays that are going to take a step forward in the next season and let's go through them I have some stats to back mine up or even some gut feelings or players that just simply have to be better because they were so bad last year or players that you can go leak forward Riley we've been very good at this in our podcast short time history we called the Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Brios one um, we've called others I know we have um, on Blue Jays that have performed and have done really well so let's take another stab at it Riley um, I'll let you go first knowing how the season found out last year is there a Toronto Blue Jay that you think is going to be better in 2024 than they were in 2023. I absolutely do. I won't take your first one knowing what it, okay, yeah. who it's going to be. This is the feel. If you if you listen to our pot, you know who basically who our favorites and non-favorite players are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot the shot right off the bat and say okay. this, that I, and I hope, knock on wood, there's 162 games in here, and God, you hope there's not a ton of injuries, man. And I'm saying this right now. If Danny Jansen is healthy, which I have a good mm-hmm. feeling he's going to be like, he's going to, he, you can't even compare his career numbers. Like this guy has not played a full major league season because of injuries or platooning or whatever. This is Danny Jansen's year and he's going to have a great one, man. This is like a 20 home run campaign for Dan- Jan- Danny Jansen. Um, and he has been one of the more clutch guys for us in the past two years. And he's going to be a very vital piece. I have a great feeling. I've always had a good feeling about Danny Jansen. He's, I think his track record proves it a lot. He gets the ball in the air. Yes, he pulls He pulls the ball. He's not an all-field spray type guy like Kirk. But the, the power potential is there. And Jesse, we flat out need that right now. Yep. Danny Jansen, number one pick to have a better 24. Although I'll say this. Had he not got hurt last year, he would have put up career numbers last year. And I think he really did anyways. Danny Jansen Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, Danny Jansen, great call. He only hit as low as 280, 312 on base percentage. I bet you both those numbers go up next year. And only 301 plate appearances, Riley, was the most he's had since his sophomore season in 2019. I Look... He's going to have a strikeout problem, which might mean he's never going to be like a 270, 280 hitter. But if he hits you 240, gets upwards of 25, even 30 home runs, which I don't think is unrealistic for Danny Jansen to hit next year, especially with the way this Blue Jays lineup is kind of shaking out right now. It seems like we're going to have more lineups with both Kirk and Danny Jansen in the lineup, which means he's going to get more plate appearances. Look, WRC Plus last season of 116, it was 141 the year before that. If it's a 125 WRC Plus for Danny Danny Jansen this year, he's going to explode and that can really help the Blue Jays power numbers going into next season. I like this pick. Good call. It's good. Hey, it's good to have two catchers. Danny Jansen is one of the most underrated, undervalued players in Major League Baseball. He is a tool. He is a weapon and he has to be 
an everyday player, whether it's catcher or designated hitter. I don't care. He needs to be in this Blue Jays lineup next year. All right. All right. I love that. My number one pick for a Blue Jay that's going to be better in 2024. And I think you can circle this one with a bullet because I'd put it like a 95% chance of being true. And that'll be Dalton Varsho, Riley. And his first year with the Toronto Blue Jays, 220, 285, 389, 20 home runs, 16 stolen bases, a WRC plus of 85. That is not good for your first year of Dalton Varsho. The defense was excellent. The defense going to remain excellent projections already have those numbers a lot higher and I think he could be more of a slugging monster than he's ever been before his last year in Arizona Riley he was pulling the ball a lot getting more out of his power numbers and I would expect um, with Don Mattingly as offensive coordinator this season to get back to that type of Dalton Varsho in fact his average exit velocity and his max exit velocity were the largest of his career last year Um, second year in the American League now too so he's going to see a lot more of these pictures more and the more you see these pictures the better you're going to get against these guys um i think just the biggest thing with Varsho is when he pulls the ball he has a 189 wrc plus when he hits up the middle it was 88 and he had a wrc plus of four not like literally four when he went through the opposite field so i think you just get him back to his pull heavy approach allow dalton Varsho to do the things at the plate that make dalton Varsho special and then he's going to be a very good above average player a guy who's probably going to hit four or five in your lineup, a guy who's going to be in there every day and provide an offensive impact for this team. I really do think with a heart that Dalton Varsho will be significantly better next year than he was this year. It's not, it's not a question of how much better it's like, it's a, he's going to have a better season. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a better season. There's, there's no doubt about that. You would like, and it's not even a defense is spot on. As far as the other side of the ball goes, you could just make an argument that he has to be, and he will be better in all all aspects, all categories, man, because that was not a great year for Dalton Varsho. Yeah, Riley, go ahead. Give me another one. Who's next on your list? So I, I, and I think I'm being a little bit kind of, um, you know, hard on injuries in, in players. I think that counts, but um, sure. I'm, going, I'm going with a guy who missed time here and was our most valuable player, Bo Bichette, because I, okay. think, this is, I think this is a 200-year hit for Bo Bichette which that would make him the American League hits leader three out of the last four years. A guy who's going to have 2,500 hits in his career, which is the new 3,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy this guy is the most likely to be a big impact piece for the next decade as of, as of right now, because it's not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Bull Bichette has done a great job at making himself a complete ball player. His defense is going to be great next year. His speed is, yes, totally down, but whatever. It's not part yeah. of his game. But his – dude, his ability to hit to all fields and to hit to all fields with power, like Bo Bichette going into this year is I, – I don't want to say so much is riding on him. So much is riding on the team. But I think Bo Bichette is going to rise to the occasion more than anybody else. I think he has 200 hits, and I think a lot of them, whatever, I don't want to say home runs, doubles, whatever – ton of extra base hits are coming this year and he's going to have a lot of runs batted in a lot of runs squared the categories I like like he's going to be a counting stats guy and if he stays healthy knock on wood like he's going to get MVP votes Boba Shett is yeah, that d- kind of guy and I think he's going to be that good in 2024 do you think though there is a realistic situation where Boba Shett does take another like leap forward like maybe he just learns to walk more and he still has his amazing off-fields approach and maybe that crazy. Um, which would be crazy, but he was a 3.8 war season last year. Like, are you thinking he can get up to five and a half, six war? Like, is that in the offerings for Boba Shett this year? I think five war is 
super achievable for Bo Bichette. Yeah. I think, in fact, I he think did that in 2021. So it's, yeah, we know it's yeah. there. No, it's, it's there. And that was even with poor defense. So like the six yeah. war isn't out of the question, Jesse, like, but, um, the ability for him, I think there's two types of guys, right? Um, the guys in the middle of your lineup, like strike out a lot, but they walk a lot. Bo Bichette, and I can, I can appreciate it. Um, he's not a selective patient hitter. He gets bat on ball. It's his thing. Like, if he could, I would prefer him to cut strikeouts down a little bit sure. versus versus drawing walks. Like I don't mind that, but it's got to be one or the other. You're I, I, a player that strikes out 160 times and walks 35 times, 45 times is useless, not of any value to me. Uh, if Bobichek could just kind of work on his his, I guess, plate discipline a little bit, it'd help. But to me, he's already taking such a gigantic step forward. Um, really since, you know, 2022 that I like, I see a lot of complete things in his game now and some, yes, he's not a complete ball player yet, but he is Jesse. He's so on the right path. It's, it's crazy. And I'm predicting big things. If he could keep it together defensively and head how I think he can, then yeah, then we're looking at a six, six war season for sure. And he's going to be like, he's going to get MVP votes if it, if it goes that way. He'll be entering his age 26 season. Riley Steamer has him projected for 25 home runs, 12 stolen bases. So that's 37 combined home run or stolen bases. Are you taking the over or the under for Boba uh, next year? I, I, I um, sorry. Um, I think, <clears throat> I think I'm going to take the under, but I'm going to yeah. take like, I don't think the steals are going to be there. No, right? no, but the doubles, like he, yeah. he and Freddie, he might have the most, doubles in the American league and Freeman might have like a gross number in, in the national league or whatever, like ton of extra base hits are there. Like doesn't Bobichet's, matter. The, the, he's, yeah. he's, he's elite it, it, power to all fields, whether it leaves the yard or not. Like he's, he's a machine. Yeah. And he's led baseball in foul balls, I think three straight years. So uh, that has nothing to do with that, how good you're going to be. I think it just goes to show the bat to ball skills. Bobachet has the bat. And we know the bat to ball skills is real. Like that there's, yeah. The one thing is for sure is is Bobichet. I watched an at bat on on Twitter and it was showing like the the pitch selection. Yeah, he's not swinging at great pitches, but he's fouling them off. And I know he's you know he's pesky. I'm I'm sure pitchers hate facing him because of that reason. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to my next thing. We're excited about Bobichet as uh, who isn't as a Blue Jays fan. Um, my next name, Riley. And I don't want to spend much time on this at all because we know the story. But it's Alec Manoa, and I don't have a ton of data to back up why I think Alec Manoa is going to be better in 2024 because he was awful, Riley. I'm pretty sure I said at the time that he got demoted. I was like, there is a chance Alec Manoa never plays in the big leagues again. Now, clearly that hasn't happened. And clearly he is penciled in to be in the rotation going into this season. However, look, I'm just betting on um, Alec Manoa just simply being better because I don't understand how it can be worse. But in order for him to get better, the fastball velocity needs to tick up again. He's got to find that bite on his slider. He lost so much horizontal movement on his slider last year. Um, that it just literally disappeared from him, which I've literally never seen from a pitcher across Major League Baseball before. He's already looked like he's gotten a better shape through the offseason. The Blue Jays have constantly been talking up Alec Manoa too, thinking we believe in this guy. He's going to be in a rotation. We think he's going to be good again. And if the Blue Jays fully believe in Alec Manoa, then I will too. So I want to know what your thoughts are, Riley, on um, Alec Manoa being better next year. Okay. Jesse, I love the enthusiasm. I love the hopefulness because I'm I'm with you a little bit, but I I've been so hoodwinked and so proven wrong 
as I go into last season, our last year around this time when I made bold predictions or whatever, and I said he'd win the Cy Young, and it's like he did the opposite of win a Cy Young. <laughs> if there was like, an award for like the worst pitcher no, in baseball, Manoa got that last year. Starter, like whether you're qualified, he might not have been qualified because he didn't get enough starts. I don't know, man. Like it was the journey, the setback is was is crazy. Like that's never happened before. I sure mm-hmm. hope that he can get things twisted his way um, because we know how good he can be when he is on um, mm-hmm. the, the, the backdoor slider, the fastball timing, basically like when to throw the fastball and get hitters behind. It's not like he throws triple digits. Like he had a great pitch mix, good location, good movement on his, on his breaking stuff. Like he basically went, to becoming like a fifth starter in the 2000s, looking like he was pitching that course field with the hard hit and the yeah. home runs, man. It was crazy night and day stuff, man. And again, like there's nothing for me right now to believe that he's just going to walk in next year and basically sing to a low three ZRA. Yeah, I doubt that. I'll take you over on that. The same strikeouts and like limiting walks. Like, he had a problem with base on balls and hit by pitches to, to kind of begin with. He wasn't the best at limiting that, but the strikeouts were way down. And like, unless he's a pitch to contact type of guy, which he's not really, and or wasn't last year and was not effective that way. Like mm-hmm. there's got a, there's a ton of, uh, you can't even call it fine tuning. These are renovations that need to still happen for Alec Manoa for him to. It's a lot to ask. It is a lot to ask. It's a ton to ask, Jesse. And like, this is why, and you know, we go back to like Atkins saying like, oh, we got one more guy to add. And I'm thinking like, yeah, a position player and a pitcher would be great. (laughs) Shohei Otani. (laughs) By the way, I thought that's what you meant when you said we got one guy. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, that means two guys, a pitcher and a, a position player. But if it's one or the other, like I'm, I, I, I can't pick like where we obviously we need guys that can hit. But I'm not gonna say basically it's an 80 percent chance we lose if Alec Manoa toes the rubber, and then we go down the lineup like yeah, Mitch White could be great for us. But again, how's our confidence in him? I know we had a great year in AAA last year. Ooh, spoil alert: Mitch White is coming. Sure he is, Jesse. But like. Yep. Manoa's got uh, like it's more than fine tuning. These are renovations. Like these are it's a total overhaul that still needs to happen. I know he's going to yeah. work at it. Let's and let's move both, on, Riley, because we, we got a lot more to get to here. Um, sure. Do you have another guy? We still got to get through the guys we think are going to be worse, and we got like ten minutes to do so. So, um, did there, you have another guy? I would say you, you know to? just to put it plain, like I I, I would be hard pressed and very confused and concerned if Vladdy did not take a, a little bit of a step yeah. He's forward. got it right. He Absolutely. From a lot of the same points we made earlier, there's no way Vladdy finishes as bad as he did last year. I think I'm agreeing with you. Um, I'll run through my Mitch White case very quickly here on why I think he's going to be better next year. Um, one, because he was terrible last year. 12 innings with the Blue Jays, ERA over 7. And in the minors, it wasn't that better because he had an ERA of 5.5 over 55 and two-thirds innings pitch. But I just want to point out, Riley, his last five starts, small sample size, I know, but it did look like he made some incredible changes. In his last five starts, 26 and a third innings pitch, only four earned runs, and had 35 strikeouts, Riley, including a nine-strikeout game and a 10-strikeout game in there. That last one came against a very good Norfolk's Tide team, which is Baltimore's AAA team, which had Jackson Holiday, Heston Kerstad, 
Colton Kowser and Kyle Stowers all in the lineup who are all top prospects. Projections have him for a 417 ERA, right? And I think I will take the under. We know Mitch White is out of options. If he's still in the organization, he's going to be on the team next year. I think Mitch White could surprise some people next year and might even get a couple starts in our rotation. So quick thought on him before we move on to the uh, guys we think are going to be worse. I would not be surprised if Mitch White did have a little bit of time and a couple of spot starts here and there. I think it's almost almost guaranteed at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's move on to some Blue Jays we think are going to be worse. And I wish I didn't save this to 48 minutes of the show because I've got some good ones, some spicy ones that might make some Blue Jays fans a little angry here. But we'll get to those, Riley. I'll let you go with your first one, Riley. Do you have a Toronto Blue Jay that you think is going to be worse in 2024 than they were in 2023? I am such an... I I like and dislike players I like and dislike. And there's not really change in my mind. So, Jesse, sure. I, I started off talking about how I think Jansen's going to have a better season. Who do you think is going to have a worse season? A guy I crap on all the time. And it's not like I'm trying to pick on him, man. Alejandro Kirk, like, I just don't see it that he's going to. I know he had a, he's been slowly getting worse since his all-star year. Like, whatever, gold glove finalist. Like, sure, the framing is is exceptional. But his inability to basically... um keep the ball off the ground. His power really isn't there. The athleticism mm-hmm. for running the bases. Like he's not, he's not a favorable guy to have, you know, in the fourth, oh, sorry, in the five, six, seven spot in your batting order. Like you're going to, we ran into a lot of trouble with him, man. A lot of double plays, a lot of ground outs, a lot of, t- um, you know, we needed more timely at bats at those times. And just Kirk wasn't the guy. Yeah, and I'm with you, dude. Um, like, for a guy who puts the ball on the ground so much, he still can't move. The base running blunders are awful. Like, I've made the comp. I think he's going to be more Jose Molina than anything else. The thing that worries me from Kirk is the power is just vanquished. The exit velocity, all the soft contact that came off his bat. I get it that he makes a lot of contact, and that is good. But you got to do something with the contact. And... um I did not see a lot from Alejandro Kirk that left me good. He's really, Riley, I know he was decent in April last year, and he was fine, I guess, in June. He's really only had six good weeks in his whole big league career where he was really was a triumphant offensive force, and that led to the all-star campaign in 2022. I'm with you, dude. A lot of people are banking on Alejandro Kirk coming back to form. I simply just don't see it, and I would love to be pleasantly surprised if that were the case next year. I, I, yeah, pleasantly surprised. It would be nice not trying to pick on guys, but I just don't... I, I, maybe I saw the hype at first. I, I really don't see it right now. I really don't yep. see what's what's so special. I've seen – I'm not going to say I've seen all there is to see with Alejandro Kirk, but it's got to be a whole lot better before I'm convinced otherwise. So my first player I want to pick who I think is going to be worse next year, and this might hurt some people, Riley, and you might not even agree with me either, but that is Jordan Romano, Riley. And Jordan Romano has been so good for so long for this team. He's at a 290 ERA, tied a career high with 36 saves last year, which is all good. And if he does that again this year, no one's going to bat an eye. Everyone's going to think it's the same thing. I have a feeling he's going to be worse, and I'll tell you why. Um, He's 31 now, so he is older than you think he is. His walk rate went up last year. His home runs went up last year. Both are a dangerous thing for a closer. The last thing you want to do is walk a guy and give up a big home run. Um, That's not really what you want. The ground ball rate, Riley, dropped into the mid-30s percentage. It's usually in the high 40s, low 50s for Jordan Romano. So all of a sudden, he just wasn't getting ground balls. So the combination of those three scare me. And Fangrass has a stat for relievers they call shutdowns versus meltdowns, which is basically 
how many times they did a shutdown, and then how many times the guy melted down. Jordan Romano had 10 meltdowns last year. That was um, one less than he had in the two previous seasons combined. In fact, Jimmy Garcia was the only Blue Jay who had more. There are a lot of red flags in Jordan Romano's game. The fastball velocity, too, has also dipped each of the last four years. And, like, I'm just getting that ick feeling from Jordan Romano. I, I, I don't like it because he has been so good. He's so fun. But I just have a feeling there are some blowups coming. And I think the Blue Jays might have more blown saves from their closer this year than they have in years past. Relief pitchers are among the craziest breeds um, of, of players on the ball field, man. It's it's so night and day um, statistically. And um, I mean, I could give a great example. I was, I was actually at the grocery store and I pull up this guy's stats for a second. Um, I believe it's, I believe it's Aaron Bummer with the White Sox. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bas- basically a guy um, looking for his ERA. Wow, you'd think I'd never know how to use this thing. Yeah, guy basically, guy had a six, almost a seven ERA last year um, with the White Sox, Aaron Bummer. And he had an ERA in the twos before that. Relief yeah. pitchers are, are weird, man. I'm not going to I'm not saying that Jordan Romano is going to have an ERA that bad. It's almost he's almost due, which is which is scary. Which is scary. Because yeah, we're gonna leave <laughs> there. There nothing on the depth chart. Nothing is gonna change that he is going to be basically. If you want to say the opening day closer, like if we're up by three runs in the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth on opening day or the opening series, like he's the he's the guy. Jordan Romano is the guy. Um, and I mean, there's a there's a chance that he has a slightly worse season. Than last year, Jesse, but I don't, again, I believe you. And I don't think he's going to be the reliever of the year in the American league. Um, I think there's a good chance. He's very average and on course to his, you know, par for his career, but there is a chance, Jesse, that we do see a lot of blown saves, the Mm -hmm. meltdowns, as you were saying, and that, yeah, he doesn't relinquish the closer role, but that basically endure a lot of, bad outings by Jordan Romano and it affects his season numbers. Did you have another name, Riley, you wanted to bring up here for someone you think is going to be worse next season? I mean, yeah, it's kind of being an ageist. Like, I don't think that, um, that Kevin Kiermeyer. I think Kevin Kiermeyer did a fantastic job last year and I think it's great. We're bringing him back, but it's known Jesse. It's a known thing. Like we are not like, we are not bringing Kevin Kiermeyer back to, to hit for us. Like he is, he is there to play defense. He's always been there to play defense that I'm totally okay with that. He's going to maybe be a worse hitter for us. And even if, even if he was to take the tiniest step back defensively, like I would still be okay with that because he's just, he's still trying to be a major league ball player. And I just don't think he, he's going to be a consistent hitter. Um, in the average common still had some sneaky power, hit some triples, had a couple home runs last year. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Kiermeyer is a good ball player. He's sadly probably in the twilight of his career. Um, and I, I think he's going to have um, a below average hitting season, which Kevin Kiermeyer already a below average hitter. So, I mean, take it what you will. He's still going to be an elite defender. Like you could already, you could argue, you could put money down that he's going to win another gold glove next year. Wouldn't surprise me the least. He had his best offensive season last year since 2017. And even that was just a really good April. He was like an 82 WRC plus from like May on. I think that's more of uh, what you're going to get from Kevin Kiermeyer. He did say, however, though, after he resigned with one deal, he said um, he feels strong motively. He's motivated, mentally excited to return to Toronto, yada, yada, yada. And then he said, I want 2024 Kevin Kiermeyer to be the best year I've ever had. Sure. 
Us too. We just don't really believe it. Yeah, a 104 um, OPS plus would be fantastic. Yeah, we'll take that. Assuming he's, I don't know what his best OPS plus is. I'm going to say probably not over 105, whatever. But I, he, he, Jesse, he's here to play defense. And everyone who goes to the games and watches on TV knows that. Like, we know, we know what Kevin Kiermaier is all about. It's a no surprise thing. I'm happy he's playing for our team. He has become a semi-fan favorite for a guy who played for a rival team his entire career. Happy mm-hmm. that KK is back. Um, but again, I don't expect a lot from him. I expect him to hit ninth, and I hope he can put together some good at-bats for his, for his sake and for the, for the, uh, also the Jays' sake, of course, as well. Yeah, I have one more player that I want to mention here that I think is going to be worse in 2024 than they were in 2023. It's Kevin Gosman, Riley, and that uh, is going to cause some people to say, whoa, 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 he is so good. And I'm not saying Kevin Gosman is not going to be good. I just think he's not going to be as good as he was last season, where he had a 316 ERA over 185 innings pitch, 5.3 war. Set a Blue Jays franchise record, Riley, for strikeouts per nine in a season. That is amazing. That simply will not happen again. He's 33 now this year, Riley. He walked more batters last year than he did since his 2017 season, which was his last year in Baltimore. He was a completely different pitcher then. His fastball velocity dropped a little bit. And I really look at the first half stats versus the second half stats for Kevin Gosman last year. His strikeouts went down. His walks went up. His home runs went up. Again, same things with Jordan Romano. Three things I do not love to see. He only looked okay in his playoff start. I think he allowed three earned runs, two home runs to Royce Lewis, too, in those five innings pitch. And his sli- or splitter, Riley, which is his best pitch, is still elite. Don't get me wrong. But his whiff percentage has gone down on that pitch each of the last three seasons. Maybe the league is starting to figure that out just a little bit so keep an eye on that and maybe it's just because he's thrown 175 plus innings in each of the last three years I don't know I still think Kevin Gosman is going to be very good I think he's just more in the very good class than the I'm going to win a Cy Young be super elite class and for what it's worth Riley take this if you think it means anything or not but the Blue Jays last three opening day starters Hunjin Ryu Jose Barrios and Alec Manoa have all struggled Kevin Gosman is probably going to be the opening day starter for this year as well. So to with that information, what you will, but I think a good, but not elite year is coming from Kevin Gosman this season. Well, with the, basically uh, the history with the opening day starter going into the next season or whatever, that's, that's crazy because I hope, I hope that it it isn't like that. Um, Jesse, I, I, I totally I'm buying into a little bit of what you're saying. Because it does make sense, and I I really don't want to deny uh, the fact that you know he's basically really have to put together strong starts to keep the same numbers. Like how can how can he replicate that? Like I don't think he does replicate that. It's a couple starts due to injury, mm-hmm. and, and, and and like you're not going to get the same strikeouts. Like the whiff rates down, the walks are a little bit up. Like I don't think it's as bad as what you're saying but i still think that a guy who's has a 3a to 3.9 era and it'll probably be better than that but yeah yeah like i mean it depends what depends what we're gonna get and i not every start is on his shoulders we have a good bullpen that could probably bail us out and we have three other good starting pitchers who, I mean, you could argue it's going to be all over the place with starting pitchers. Well, we probably will have a little part of a future episode where yeah, we kind and of we're going predict- to when we have predictions, because 
I would have to write this down on a piece of paper. Like I, I don't <laughs> think I don't think Gosman is going to place in the top three for Cy Young voting next year. But I don't think he places outside of the top ten. Like I still I, think yep, he's going to sounds be, about right. He, he's going to be a very good pitcher. Like don't viewers, listeners, don't let this Jesse get you confused with. <laughs> we, he's, he's still going to be very good. Yes. But where Kevin and Gosman that's the point was, I want to make. He's going to yeah. be good. I, I don't mean, think but he's look be where he was the last two seasons. Like he was one yeah. of the best pitchers. You could argue he was the best pitcher over the last two years collectively. Maybe even three, if you conclude the year in San Francisco. He was very good, and maybe guys are recognizing his stuff his stuff a little bit better. I don't know what it is. I'm not his reign of terror is not completely over. He can still take over ball games, but. Over the course of 32, 33 starts next year, hopefully he gets those uh, that amount of starts. Like I think that his numbers are yeah going to go down a little bit, but he's still going to be Kevin Gosman. He's not going to completely crumble. Knock on every piece of wood I see. Um, Kevin Gosman is still a fantastic pitcher, and we're very lucky to have him because he's kept this pitching staff in order since he's been a Blue Jay. Yeah. And I just want to go through some honorable mentions for both these things, starting with the players I think are going to be better next year. Um, Nate Pearson, I think is going to be a full-time member of this uh, bullpen next year. I can't quit Nate Pearson. I never will. Uh, Kevin Biggio and Chad Green, I think is going to become like an elite setup man for this team. If not, if Jordan Romano does struggle, take over for a closer. Did you have any other names as an honorable mention you think could be better next year? I, uh, I, I want to save my pitching stuff for the pitchers, but I love, I, I love the Chad Green um, little nudge um, there because I I do think that um, a lot of teams would have Chad Green as a setup guy over Swanson anyways. And I think mm-hmm. if the season starts off poorly for uh, Swanson and very well for Green, I think that shift would will happen sooner rather than later or it will because we've seen Chad Green pitch and how good he is. And he wasn't used a ton last year. And I th- think he's still got a, lo- a lot left in the tank for his major league career. Um, I mean, in a guy like uh, a guy like Biggio, I would love to believe is going to have a great campaign. Um, I'm just I'm not completely on the same page because it, it depends on his usage and how much he's going to how much he's actually going to play. Um, yep. But other than that, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of it would be pretty accurate. I hope anyways. And we don't have basically a ton of guys taking steps back at all. Yeah, and then the terms of the guys who I think might take another step back next year, um, George Springer, we got to talk about him, not tonight, but uh, in the future, we'll talk about George Springer. Um, I have Alejandro Kirk here, who we already talked about, and Tim Meza, just because I think he was so good last year, there's no way he can be that yeah. good again this year. Riley, did you have any other names you wanted to throw in here? Yep, uh, that's that's pretty much it, man, honestly. And, yeah, I think we covered uh, a lot of them. I, I think probably not everyone, but there's going to be – more episodes that are not exactly like this, but where we get into more number projections and predictions and things like that. This is more of a rough cutout on what exactly. we think with how the with how the roster looks right now. Yeah, because Barrios, Kikuchi, Bassett, we haven't even talked about any yeah. of those. They're um, yeah, Genesis Cabrera, we haven't talked about. There's a lot we haven't talked about here. Yeah. We want to leave those starting pitchers up for another conversation because that's when we crack that one open, boy, that's going to be a heavy conversation. (laughs) Our starting pitchers are something to behold, man. And it's going to be crazy to even talk about them after the season they had. All four of them had last year in 2023. That's going to be a hell of a conversation. 
Well, that's going to do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, so then we can start going live on there. We are on Facebook. I suggest you find us on Facebook. We have a link in our bio. Make sure you find that, and we can go follow us there. We're going to be going live on that platform soon as well. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we are on anywhere. Anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Buds and Blue Jays. So please make sure you uh, give us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Tell a friend. All that good stuff, Riley. Um, anything else to throw in here before we head out and call it a day? Not a thing, not a thing, man. Not a thing. Just waiting for stuff to happen. And uh, yeah, one guy left apparently to sign on this ball club, Jesse. And like I Let's said, see who guy, it is. Yep. The guy, the guy better be worth eight war or a one forty three OPS plus or something. I I, I don't know, man. Uh, um, could be a could be a long year if uh, if we can't hit the ball. That's all I'm saying. All right, well- We'll see you guys next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.